ball in the peloton and most of the Yumbo Visma <gasps> team have gone down and the peloton has come to a grinding halt. The world champion Julian Alaphilippe is in the middle. Sagan has also been caught up. Wout van Aert collect his bike. It is time to assess the damage. SBS cycling expert and commentator Matt Keenan was across that right there. And then, as you heard, it was drum drama at its finest and at its highest and at its most dramatic. Let me tell you right here, right now, Matty joins us. We're a couple of day, stages into the Tour de France. That was something we knew was coming and it happened in a big way, Matt. Appreciate your time on Sporting Goss. Yeah, I called it and couldn't believe it as I saw it. But then we watched the replays and each time it happened, it was true. Somebody wanted to get on television. They stepped out and they basically had a hollow to grandma and grandpa. And as a result, they now have the local police looking for them. And the local police have put out a please assist us in tracking down the whereabouts of this spectator on social media because they need a conversation with her. Yeah, not the first person to step out. Probably not the first person to have collided with a cyclist in any of the tours, but the carnage that it caused. And I mean, we are hearing reports that some sort of legal action from event organisers or sponsors, surely not. I mean, yes, it doesn't look great and it could be a career threatening. It could even be a whole lot worse than that for the riders involved. But at the end of the day, it wasn't a protest. It was just a bad error of judgment. Yeah, it was, it was that. It was a stupid mistake. And the race organisers have acknowledged that as well, that it wasn't anything that was malicious. It wasn't deliberate to try and cause an accident but they have made the the statement that they want to set the message yeah. they want to let everybody know that this isn't acceptable and that's why they're pursuing it i'm not sure how far it's going to going to go it's going to be really interesting to follow but it was it was bad but it could have been worse mm -hmm. it could have been a situation where we had a fatality mm -hmm. there have been you know people who have died in the past. A spectator died in 1998 at the Tour de France that was leaning too far into the road and they got collected by the peloton that was going past at 60 kilometres per hour. So it's not just the riders that are at risk, it's the spectator as well that is at risk. And it's about trying to protect some people from themselves. No doubt. So let's go back to the very start and we talk about the, the, the influx of Australians in this tour. Uh, um, there's 10 Australians in this tour, um, which is a lot more than we had in 2020. Yeah, in 2020, we had two. But the two that we had had a big impact. Mm. Caleb Buell won a couple of stages and Richie Port finished third. We've had 12 riders start in the past. It's not the, it's not the biggest number that we've had, 10, but it is big. It's close to our record. And they've made a pretty positive start. Unfortunately for Ben O'Connor over in WA, he was involved in the falls on stage one. He's conceded a bit of time. He's already got 10 stitches in his arm. Not ideal, is it, to be starting your first ever tour? with 10 stitches in your arm, or with 20 days still remaining to race. But he has vowed to fight on. He'll be looking forward to getting into the mountains. The best-performing Aussie so far is another young, one of our youngsters, Jack Hay. He's in his second-ever tour. He's sitting inside the top 10. He's looking really good. The stage we had last night, it finished up the Mur de Bretagne, or the Wall of Brittany. And it was there in 2011 where Kid Evans won a stage and then went on to win the race overall. And all the guys last night that were inside the top 10, with the exception, ironically, of the stage winner, every one of them, I think, are capable of finishing in Paris inside the top 10. 
and Jack Haig was one of them. So the signs are great. It's interesting you mentioned Ben O'Connor. I wasn't aware of it, but he's actually from Subiaco, which is my adjoining suburb where I live. Grew up in Subi, and we have coffee in Subi. So he's probably be ridden around the streets of, of the local hood over a long period of time, and then all of a sudden you've got a, a bloke who rides a bike, and, you know, we all see the cyclists, and no disrespect, we, one cyclist moulds into another cyclist. But all of a sudden yeah. we've got a, a local who's in the Tour de France. It's, uh, it's quite uh, humbling, to be brutally honest with us. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I've had the experience where, you know, a lot of motorists might see cyclists and they think, oh, who do you think you are, Kid 11? <laughs> and I was, in a, I was in a scenario once where I was riding from a corporate event in Brisbane with Kid 11s and a tradie <laughs> came past us with a mate in the passenger seat and a road par- they drove past us and ran down the window. Who do you blokes think you are, Kid 11s? And I was with Kid Evans. <laughs> and we got to the next set of traffic lights and they asked for a photo. And Kid Al said, keep going, boys. Oh, he Good. shut them down. Well, because, yeah, because they, it, was, it was an aggressive abuse yeah, to us at first. Sure. Like the get off the road type abuse. Goodell's really good with, with fans getting a photo and so on, but he wasn't happy with getting blasted. And then, oh, hang on. I wouldn't mind a photo with you. <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite interesting. Matthew Vanderpoel is currently the leader, of course. I think he's got about an eight-second lead as it stands right now. What do we make of the early stages? You talk about Jack Haig, the Aussie. He's currently sixth in the overall classification or around there. Uh, what are we talking about in regards to these early stages of the Tour de France? Is this where they sort of suss each other out where some blokes go for early glory knowing that they're not going to be contender later or is this all about placement for team performance? Well, Matthew Vanderpool here mentioned it's all about this early glory because he has said that he's not going to finish the tour. He's going to abandon midway through and prepare for the mountain bikes at the Olympic Games. Wow. But this is a beautiful story. So his grandfather, Raymond Poulidor, he rode the Tour de France first time in the early 1960s. He finished third five times. He finished second three times. So he was on the podium eight times in Paris in the Tour de France, and not for a single day did he wear the yellow jersey. Ironically, he then became the ambassador for the yellow jersey at the Tour de France, and he passed away 18 months ago. And before this tour got underway, the team that Matthew Vanderpool rides for, they changed the colours of their jersey to be a replica of the team jersey that his granddad used to ride for. And then the first stage, Vanderpool really wanted to win to get that yellow jersey for granddad. And he didn't have a great day. He finished 20th. And then on last night's stage, he needed to get a small time bonus at the intermediate sprint. He needed to win the stage and get the time bonus and a small gap as well. And he did everything. And he managed to win the stage, he managed to get the time bonus, and he managed to get that yellow jersey that had eluded his grandfather. Mm. And in the interview afterwards, he was asked what it means to him, and he said, I have no words. And you know sometimes when an athlete says, I have no words, and then they go on for about 14 paragraphs, (laughs) he said, I have no words, and he had no words. Wow, beautiful, beautiful story. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Okay, let's go to stage three. We're chat- chatting with SBS cycling commentator Matt Keenan. You'll be across everything Matt calls over the next couple of weeks in regards to the Tour de France. Where do we go for stage three? pont is the destination. We're still in the Brittany region, and this is King Caleb versus Cavendish. Caleb Ewan up against Mark Cavendish. This is a day for the sprinters. Caleb Ewan is the current benchmark of sprinting on the road at the Tour de France. He has been across the last couple of seasons. But Mark Cavendish, he's the greatest of all time. He's won 30 stages. He's had a tough couple of years. He's been away from the Tour de France. 
He's had glandular fever. He's had a few crashes as well. He's actually had a couple of issues with concussion as a result of those falls. He's back at the tour. He has got a slightly stronger team to support him than what Caleb Ewan has got. Caleb's got youth on his side. Cavendish has got experience on his side. I can't wait to see which one of them gets there first. Obviously, there's a few others in the race. There's 184 starters at the Tour de France. But they're the two we'll be focusing on. We certainly will be, and we'll be watching that on SBS, uh, of course, tonight. Now, I know you do your homework and you're big on your geography. Just give our listeners to Sporting Goss right now, Matty Keenan, an idea of some of the landmarks we look forward to seeing on stage three. Just off the top of your head, because I know you don't have to, you don't, you know, you don't have to delve into the geography book or the history book, or you don't have to look on the atlas or anything like that. Give us off the top of your head one of the landmarks we're going to see during stage three of the tour. Well, there's a famous wind check out. It was the first windmill that was built back in 1670. That's just right near the start line, thankfully. There's a couple of big bridges. There's been a lot of a focus on the bridges and quite a few suspension bridges. And there was there was one actually yesterday that was a picture of perseverance because there was a suspension bridge that collapsed in 1925 that was then replaced in 1952 that was then replaced in 2011. So there's plenty of persistence throughout. We haven't had too many of the chateaus so far in the region that we're in, up in Brittany, we'll get a few more of those as we head back across towards the east of the country. But today, it's more about the rolling terrain, the beautiful green countryside of Brittany that we'll get a chance to take a look at. And one of the things that has really dawned on me throughout this year's tour, the first cut, has been the amount of churches where we've seen the spire knocked down at some point, being struck by lightning. So to go and play golf. <laughs> hey, oh, just, just uh, another question without notice or another comment without notice. Um, I, when I look at these towns where they ride through, you know, on sometime on the cobblestones or whatever they're dri- riding through, whatever, whatever parts, I think people actually live there. Where do they shop? Mm. Where do they shop? Where do yeah. they go? Where, where is their Coles or Woolies or, or, you know, do they have a TAB or, you know, do they have anything? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, they get down to the east, and that's the supermarket that is the equivalent to the to the Woolies. But yeah, a lot of wonderful local markets as well. Actually, one of the chateaus that we saw yesterday that was private, it's owned by and the it is in his mid eighties. He's a famous German actor. He's obviously predominantly just famous in. I hadn't heard of him previously until doing the research on it. A lot of wood that's been used inside the house comes as a result of a shipwreck that was sure back in the mid-1800s. So they've made the most of somebody else's misfortune to furnish this house, this beautiful chateau that was just out near uh, Brittany, on the coast of Brittany, not far away from Brest, which was close to where the stage started yesterday. So there's some amazing stories in the buildings, and you look at some of them that are privately owned, and you just have to wonder what the upkeep would be on some mm, of them. 100%. It is, a, it is a wonderful lesson in history, not just the cycling, but the cycling is the main thrust of it. But I do like uh, seeing uh, how the other half live in those faraway places. Appreciate your time, Matty. We'll see it on SBS, and we look forward to chatting again throughout the tour, if you don't mind taking our call here on the Sporting Goss. Of course, mate. Thanks, Goss. Good on you. There's Matty Keenan. He is the best in the business, no doubt about that. And you'll hear his commentary on stage through the Tour de France tonight and for the next couple of weeks. This is the Sporting Goss. We love the Tour de France.